On this episode of Own Your Business, I'll be joined by Katie Taylor Jacobson to talk about three pricing strategies. We'll cover the difference between strategies and tactics. She'll help me define three common strategies any wedding pro can use. And then we'll talk about when to use each one and when not to use each one. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Let's talk about my favorite subject. Mm, tacos? No. You know, as I get older, tacos, <laughs> they tend like the heartburn. It's, it's real. <laughs> Golf? Yeah, but I think people find that obnoxious. Oh, I know. I know. Pricing. Pricing. That's right. Let's talk about pricing. Pricing is such a juicy topic. It's filled with all sorts of opportunities for us to go down tons of different rabbit holes. But because we're sticking to a short format, we want to keep things really focused on a couple of big ideas. And so there's so much information we could share, but Katie has nailed me down to focus on pricing strategies. And we're going to pick apart three big pricing strategies to go through. Okay, so you said just now that there are pricing strategies and pricing tactics. Did I hear you right? Yep, there's strategies and there's tactics. Okay, so let's break that apart first to make sure everybody's clear on the differences between a strategy and a tactic. Yeah, so let's look at three different things. One is the goal, the second is a strategy, and the third are the tactics. Perfect. So you could have a goal of getting to some destination, and then there are maybe three to five strategies that you would take to get there. And then there are a lot of different tactics that you would put into place along the way for those strategies to be successful. So there are little little blocks that put into bigger blocks that eventually get you to where you want to be. Let's use a real world scenario for the wedding industry. Yeah. So let's say that uh, one of your goals is as a photographer, you would like to move into a higher price with your services. So that would be the goal. And then when you go through and you look at the different strategies that you're going to have to employ, um, obviously one of the big things that you're going to have to do is get more referrals from planners, mm. right? So that's going to be a big strategy that you're going to need to pursue. Another big strategy would be for you to build up your portfolio. So you've got to have a, a great portfolio with amazing images of places that are familiar to the people who would be willing to pay you for your services at higher rates. And a third strategy that you would need to put into practice would be to charge accordingly for your services so that you don't put risk and doubt in the mind of the buyer. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk more about that when it comes to a premium pricing strategy. So that would be three different ways that you need to move towards your goal. And then within that, you've got to have different tactics that you would do. So for instance, with getting more referral partners, for instance, you would decide, okay, I need to do five big moves to get these things to happen in the next 
three months or six months. And so some of the tactics would be starting to uh, follow and engage with the people that you think are going to be able to refer you business on Instagram. So you start interacting more with them. This mm. is a pretty common thing that, that, that we would see, right? So there, and even within them, there are like little sub tactics of things that you would do. Another thing you could do is you could decide to attend Engage, one of our favorite wedding conferences, and certainly the place to go if you want to meet up and connect with and form relationships with people who are in the luxury space. So that could be another tactic, tactic. Okay. That, that you would do. You could also go through and, and pursue any other tactics, but those are, those are the tactics that then play into the strategy that will eventually lead you to your goal. Okay. And I thought it was important to break that apart because what we're going to talk about today are three pricing strategies, not tactics, not goals, although it'll connect back to the goal, but the actual three strategies that are most commonly used. Is that I, the right? I think so. Yeah. I think okay. so. You know, because there are so many different ways of charging, but they, they kind of have these, these big umbrella strategies. And, and, and what I found in, in all the reading and the research, and I've done a, an insane amount of research on pricing. I just finished up a course actually at Texas A&M as part of the behavioral studies program that I'm in. And it was specifically on pricing. It was, you know, three months worth of deep dives into the psychology of pricing. And, and what I found is that there are three general approaches that wedding professionals can take with their pricing strategies. Number one is a penetration strategy. Number two is a competitive strategy. And number three is a premium strategy. And, and those are the three real big strategies. There are a ton of different tactics that are underneath all three of those. And, and you can apply same tactics to different strategies, which is what kind of makes all of this so complex. But these are the three general structures that people can use for their pricing. So let's start with penetration pricing. Tell us a little bit about what that means and why you would use it. Well, I use it to try and get a laugh when I... <laughs> when I was about I, to say, I would like to talk about the strategy that goes unnamed because it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so let's call it that one. So this, this, is a pretty, this is a pretty funny name, I know. But, but I think it's a great name for what it does, which is that it's used to penetrate, to get a foothold, to get into a foot in the door of a, a new market. And, and this is something that we commonly see in early stages of having a business where we don't have a portfolio, we don't have a big referral base, we don't have a bunch of people who are beating down our door trying to get business from us. And so we have to find some sort of competitive advantage, not experience, not portfolio, not familiarity, not all of these different things that more seasoned wedding professionals can use to book more clients, but the competitive advantage really comes down to having a lower price. Mm. It's kind of like a double-edged sword because that's when you start to hear people use the word, oh, that person's undercutting Undercut. Me, right? Undercut, And I yeah. hear that a lot where people complain about other vendors undercutting them. But if it's used to kind of get your foot in the door then it sounds like it makes sense. I think it does. And it does cut both ways. It is that double-edged sword. You want to use it to get started and start building that portfolio, start gaining some experience, start getting familiarity with people and places that you want to do work. But you don't want to do it for too long because you can end up cutting out the floor from underneath you. And if you use a penetration pricing strategy too long, you'll end up undervaluing your services. People can get used to the low prices and not be okay with a, an increase in the price. 
Um, it could be that you're selling things at a very low margin just to build up your portfolio, for instance, or form those connections and familiarity, and it's not sustainable long-term. And what I think happens for a lot of wedding professionals is that they don't know how to sell their services very well. They don't know how to build value and provide reassurance. And so what they do is they turn to the competitive advantage that is simplest for them, which is to use a penetration pricing strategy. Mm. And then it's, how do I get out of that? Mm. And so I think that a lot of the people who reach out, and it could be you listening right now, oftentimes ask us about pricing because you don't know how to transition from a low penetration pricing strategy to the next level up. And so you end up getting stuck with how do you make that transition? Mm. It's easy to get caught up in it and not know a way out, but it's really important, not just for your own business, but also for the industry as a whole, because if everybody's trying to undercut everybody, then it's a race to the bottom because mm -hmm. the only way that we're selling our services, is not on the value that we provide to the client, but instead the low price that we're charging them. And that's not good for us as a whole. Okay, so I know we want to move on to the next one, but before we do, just a quick question. Is there ever a time that a more experienced professional would use that pricing strategy that goes <laughs> that shall unnamed? Not be named. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You, uh, so there's a couple of different instances. One is if you're trying to break into a new market because you want to start working there. Uh, you know, you could have your home base where you're located and you want to do, you know, 70, 80, 90% of your work, but maybe you've got a place that you love visiting and, and you want to, you want to do more work there. Or it could be that you ultimately want to relocate to a, a different destination and, and the, or, or that you need to relocate on short notice. Uh, I work with a lot of clients who have somebody in the relationship who's in the military, either themselves or, or a partner. And so we see a lot of moving of the markets that's really important for us to make sure that we're using the right pricing strategy on. Then we move on to the next strategy, which is competitive. Competitive, yeah. And this is, this is the most common strategy. After you get things up and running, you've built your portfolio, and you're no longer using low prices as a competitive advantage, you don't have to lower your rates below what they should be. What I find is that this is kind of like a bell curve. So if you looked at these three strategies all set next to each other, you would have the penetration pricing strategy would be uh, very low on, on the left side. Could be 5, 10, 15% of the businesses, maybe something like that are, are, are using or should consider using this either permanently you know, for a three, six, 12 month period or for specific destination or relocation needs. On the other end of the spectrum is going to be premium pricing, and premium is really in this luxury and ultra-luxury space. By definition, it can't apply to the majority of people because it wouldn't be luxury, right? So you would have this other long tail, which would be the you know, 5 10% of people who are in that space. So in the middle, you're looking at, you know, it could be 75 85% of all of the pricing tactics and approaches are going to be underneath this competitive pricing strategy. Do they look at their competitors? Is that the whole point? Is that you kind of look around and see what everyone else is charging? I think so. And you don't have to do this. I want to be real clear. You don't have to like pretend that you're a groom or a bride and like email or call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, secret shop? Yeah. Ooh. No, no, you don't have to. You, you can ask around and you can talk with your peers and colleagues and hopefully you have some connection with them and, and you, can, you can do that. But I think you can also really look at the feedback that you get from your buyers. And, and you know me, I say the same thing over and over again, which is the number one person who can tell you whether or not you're charging the right amount are the people who are buying your services from you. And so 
If you go through and you look at your conversion rates, and if you see that you're somewhere in the neighborhood of um, you know, 25 to 30%, um, that's a good range for you to be in. And while it's disappointing to lose you know, seven or eight out of 10 people, that's okay. It's okay to lose those people. It's okay to not have them book you. And it's, and it's also okay, and I know this, this is very scary for people and sometimes disappointing, is to hear them say, I chose the other person because they're less expensive. That's okay. It's okay for you to hear that. It's part of the competitive pricing strategy to sometimes be higher than the comp set. Sometimes it's good to be lower, but generally speaking, you're all going to be relatively close. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what's most important is for you to be in the mix and then may the best salesperson win. May the person who can build the most value and provide the most reassurance be the one who ultimately wins the business. Should we move on to premium and explain a little bit about when you would use that? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So premium pricing strategies are, are also a rich topic and something that we could spend quite a bit of time on, but I'm going to give you some high levels here. So premium pricing is, is, is what it implies, which is that you are charging a premium. You are charging some of the highest. You could be first, whatever word you want to, to use or definition you want to use with that, with that word, it all applies. And the point here is that you are charging more than the other people that they're looking at or than the market as a whole because there's something called the price quality effect. And the simplest way to understand the price quality effect is that most people, most humans, the way that their brain is wired, if they see something that is higher priced, they assume it is higher quality. Katie's raising her hand. (laughs) Yes, I happen to marry one of these people. Yes. There's also the inverse that occurs, which is that when they see a low price, they tend to associate that with low quality. So the price quality effect is high price, high quality, low price, low quality. So with a premium pricing strategy, what you're doing is you are intentionally charging a higher amount to imply without anybody knowing anything about what it is that you do or how valuable it is to them that what you're doing is going to be of high quality. When does somebody choose to move from competitive to premium? Is there a point at which they make that shift? You know, I don't know if there's one particular point that they would need to make that shift in the strategy. I think there's probably a number of different factors that come into play. I think at some point we all want to work less and make the same or more money. And that's oftentimes driven by wanting to spend more time with family or not feeling like maybe, you know, we need to be as ambitious as we were in in our former selves. Um, It could be that we get bored with the kinds of projects that we're working on at lower budgets. And so we want to work on higher budget events. And to do that, we have to charge more. One of the challenges that we run into, and I think like when do you, to answer your question, when do we move from a competitive to a premium pricing strategy is when you have to move because the people who see your prices compared to the other two, three or four people, they see you as the l- least expensive. They see you as the cheap option. Mm. And so relative to the other photographers, videographers, planners, venues, caterers, whatever that they're looking at, if you are the cheap option, they assume that you are the low quality. Mm -hmm. And so you will hear no's, but it'll be a different kind of no. It's not because they went with a cheaper option. They actually went with a more expensive option because they assumed that it had more value. Mm -hmm. And so this is oftentimes 
if you are in premium or luxury and you're looking to go from luxury to ultra luxury, you'll hear planners sometimes tell you, hey, you're too cheap for me to refer you. And 99% of the time, this is really what they're saying. This is what it translates into, which is that the the price quality effect is kicking in and you're charging so little that you look like a bad bet, a bad Mm. choice. For instance, and this is always the easiest way for me to explain it, which is imagine you go out to a restaurant and you don't know any of the wines that are on the wine list and you see three Sauvignon Blancs. Katie's favorite. (laughs) And out of the Sauvignon Blancs, there are three glass pours and the glass pours are at say $11, $17 and $19. Katie, tell us, what do you think about the $11 glass? That it's going to give me a terrible headache tomorrow morning. You think it's going to give you a headache? You think that it's going to be of low quality? It's going to taste super sweet and gross and nothing like a true Sauvignon Blanc. That happens like that. Yep. Right? You're like within milliseconds, you, you're like $11 glass out. That doesn't even occur in my mind. I'm like 19. That must be the best one. Well, there you go. And so the opposite happens. Right. Anytime we go through and we look at what the value of something is, there are no absolute values to anything that any of you who are listening do. There's only relative value compared to what people are seeing elsewhere. It could be relative to the people that they're looking at for your particular service. It could be relative for your vendor category compared to another vendor category. Or it could even be relative to a completely different experience that they have had or are looking at having outside of the wedding itself. For instance, it could be that they're looking at what you offer versus a better hotel room that they're thinking about staying at for their honeymoon. It could be any number of things, but Mm, what you charge is of relative value. You know, what does this $500 get me? What does this $5,000 get me? What does this $15,000 get me outside of this particular purchase? And so as humans go through and look at different prices by different vendors in their wedding categories, they're going through and they're comparing them side by side. So the premium pricing strategy is is basically putting a flag on the ground and saying, I have a high price. I also have a high quality and you should see that there's going to be a large amount of value in choosing my services. I see. I see. So question about the three different strategies can do you have to pick one and stick with it or is it something that given the market conditions and situation that you're in with like if you are moving or moving into a different market you can kind of ebb and flow in between them i think there's going to be a general progression like it's like the stock market like if you looked at a trend line over a 10-year period you're going to see that it goes up like eight to ten percent every year and i think that most wedding businesses are going to see that now there, there is probably a gradual shift from the penetration to the, to the, the competitive as far as strategies go. I think that um, at some point from moving competitive to premium that there's going to be a big step up. I think that you've got to go from like, you know, 7,500 to 11,000, or it could be to go from, you know, 550 to 925. There, there's going to be a big jump up there. And, it, and here's the thing. It's hard to go back. 
once once you once you make a decision to to go from a competitive pricing strategy to a premium pricing strategy it's it's really challenging for some in the market to see because you're using referral partners as a premium pricing strategy to to see that you're charging six thousand for this place and ten thousand for that is too much of a difference now you can have some fluctuations and some variations in there it doesn't all have to be the exact same price but they've got to be relatively close so if you make that that decision to to go from one to the other, I think you got to stick with it for could be you know three, six, twelve months, and and really give it a go, which is which is important because you need to make sure that you have enough data points to create a, a trend or uh, a, a general understanding. You can't. You can't make a shift and decide to increase your prices, for instance, and then have one person tell you, no, I decided to go with a different person because they were of a lower price. Or even like five people who maybe turned down your new high prices within a two or three week period. And then you're like, oh, my prices are too high. I got to go backwards. That's probably not enough data points for you to really know. I'd give it you know, 10, maybe even 20 inquiries before you start second guessing. And frankly, before you look at changing your prices, you should probably work at increasing the value and, and providing more reassurance. And and I know we're winding down on this one, but I just want to let y'all know that when it comes to adjusting your prices specifically, again, these are tactics, right? These are the, the actual price is a tactic with that particular couple that you're trying to convince to book your services. But these strategies are something, again, to go back to your question, Katie, it's really important for you to stick with them in general for a, a longer period of time because it's okay for there to be fluctuations in there. Well, I was going to say, you know, the name of our company is ID Action. So if somebody were to have taken an idea from today, what kind of an action should they take from here? I think the number one takeaway is to recognize that there are three different ways of charging and that there are fluctuations within each. And for most people, I think, because most people who are trying to get better at what it is that they're doing, they're gonna be in that competitive marketplace out of, the, out of their, their first three to six months, or, or could be six to 12 months with the pandemic. You know, Obviously things have, have shifted quite a bit, but I think that, that just keep in mind that the low cost as a competitive advantage is not something to continue to shoot for. And instead, what we should look at doing is hanging out and recognizing that the competitive pricing strategy is going to be something that the super majority of all wedding professionals are going to find themselves in. And that that is an okay thing. It's okay for you to lose seven or eight out of the 10 inquiries that you have coming in. It's okay for people to tell you that they went with somebody else who was cheaper. That's okay. Because there are also times with those two or three out of 10 that you're booking, that they're booking you at or above the market rate in whatever vendor category you are, because you provided that value and, and offered that reassurance that it was worth that money. This is such a rich topic and one that I know that we are going to unpack much further in future episodes. So revisit the podcast in the future and learn much, much more about pricing because it is a fascinating topic and there is so, so much to learn. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. 
So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 